I'm not quite sure yet if I'm going to do an intro for this one, sort of like the kind of intro you separately, because uh, the idea was to sort of do something completely improvised. So. I'm here with Daniel Colgan. Hi, Daniel. Hi there. How's it going? Not too bad, thank you. Good. Daniel and I are going to do a little experiment. Uh, we, were, we were at this uh, cocktail reception yesterday, and we decided it would be really cool to do a total improv rift podcast about a topic that neither of us really knows where it's going to go, right? This is, this is we're out in the wilderness here. Um, because what we thought would be interesting is to sort of uh, do an, uh, I guess, open source uh, improvisation exploration uh, about uh, how, uh, I guess what I do, which is mostly about uh, using technology and business development and online positioning, how that could sort of connect and combine with the legal world uh, where you're from. So. Daniel, let's 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 tell everybody who you are. So, you your name is Daniel Colgan. You are a uh, a British German, uh, and you're a lawyer. But tell us more about that. Yeah, that's correct. So I'm uh, I'm an equity partner at DLA Piper. DLA Piper, yeah, okay. Which is a which is a global law firm um, with uh, some four thousand five hundred plus uh, lawyers, um, and therefore there's quite a need for the, uh, the kind of services that you do. Right. Um, having said that, and obviously kind of being a lawyer, I'll give you the, you know, the legal disclaimer that what we're chatting about today is, yeah. is my opinion, not the opinion of the firm. Uh, right. But I think you, you're quite right. And, and maybe I should add also that kind of given that I have, as you say, the, the German English or British German background, uh, I'm also obviously very much into both worlds in terms of how business is conducted yeah. both in the, if you wish, the Anglo-Saxon sphere uh, and the German sphere. And I think in terms of you know, marketing and just uh, strategies for kind of uh, presentation of uh, materials, mm. there are some differences there as well, yeah. um, which, which are quite interesting. I think we can probably... Yeah, because I mean, my perception from the little uh, little bit I know about your world, which is extremely, uh, it's, my knowledge is very shallow, is, is that th there's actually an amount of rules and regulations about being too commercial about your practice, right? Yeah, that's less of a, less of a concern, I think, that we would need to discuss today, because right. th there are certain bar rules which prevent lawyers from advertising exactly. in certain countries. Um, but that certainly doesn't uh, prevent us from uh, obviously pitching to clients uh, yeah. and just deploying general kind of marketing strategies towards the contacts we meet in the market, um, you know, producing uh, audio, video. Um, that's okay to do that, right? Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the website of either DLA or any of the uh, any of the other major firms you will see that there's a they all have uh, you know very sophisticated home pages with lots of material already on there so that's absolutely fine but basically I think w where I was coming from with this is that so my world I mean without kind of boring listeners with the, with the technical details is uh, competition law so I do what 
what's also referred to as antitrust, right. which is on the one hand merger control, so yeah. transactions, M&A transactions, and getting uh, um, competition clearance for those, or making sure that they're uh, carried out in a uh, in a way which is uh, conform with competition law. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, cartel investigations and kind of general advisory work. And you're in the right town for that because we're, we're actually in Brussels, both of us. And oh, by the way, the background noise is because we chose the, the right time on a Friday. Uh, it's, it's now about uh, almost 7 p.m. And this is when Brussels totally gets clogged up with, uh, with traffic. And you'll hear some bells from a tram that passes by just in front of the office here. So whatever, we're in Brussels. Uh, this is basically the town where a lot of that, those, uh, those, those um, are, things are discussed, right? It's a headquarters town, it's a European Commission town, so yeah, that's competition right. issues are very that's native to Brussels, aren't they? Absolutely. So this is one of the, the hubs, if you wish, for, for competition work, which is why many of the, uh, of the big international firms uh, like mine have, have an office in Brussels. Yeah. But I mean, that was just uh, kind of by way of background is to kind of give you bit more flavor as to where I'm coming from and um, kind of a lawyer's um, if you wish uh, view of the world mm -hmm. uh, and um, you know I think we were discussing this on, on, on previous occasions I think certainly in a way you could say that lawyers are often somewhat old school mm. certainly in terms of the, the, the marketing tactics deployed I mean, it's yeah. a little bit of a catch-up, and maybe that's not uh, entirely the fault of the lawyers. I mean, there is obviously uh, kind of a certain mindset, I suppose, which you would have as a lawyer, which I don't know whether you have that to start with, but certainly which is, which is also cultivated through you know, years of legal school and then just the way that the bar and the, the, the profession works. There's a tradition about it. There's a tradition about it, yeah. and then you have... Um, you have the other dimension, I suppose, if you're at a, a law firm as, as large as mine, which is that obviously in a large organization, you know, things, especially if you have a global initiative, for example, or a, a large regional initiative, uh, there will be many people which need to input into that. So mm. it, it, is a, it is a more complex project than it would be if you have a very small footprint mm. and, you, and, you, and you're very flexible. So I think it's a maybe a combination of those two, um, and obviously the driver is that uh, you know in, in in the legal business. I mean we are a service provider and we work for clients, um, and it's just a question of uh, I suppose in, in terms of the, the marketing bit of it all, it's a question of uh, really you know demonstrating to the world yeah. that you have certain capabilities. Uh, and being able to kind of approach clients and, and, and market that. And that's where kind of yeah. uh, your materials came in because I mean, I'm subscribed to your, uh, your various uh, publications, which are interesting kind of uh, nuggets. Mm -hmm. um, and it just occurred to me that it would be interesting to, uh, to explore um, the interface, if you wish, between kind of your world and your techniques for you know, marketing, approaching people, uh, and mine, because I don't think all of the things that that you propose necessarily work without adaptation in the legal world. Um, and, however, obviously, um, you know, firms, law firms, um, 
have you know marketing teams and everyone oh they do that's the thing because to me like when i look at the legal industry it's like looking at venus or titan it has this thick atmosphere that you can't look through you know i don't know what's on the surface so Mm -hmm. i've always like i mean thankfully i don't really get myself into trouble that often so it's it's not i'm not a i'm not typically a user of of these kind of uh and i'm not operating at such a skill that i need to sort of like go go for cop i haven't don't have any copyright issues but I always wonder, like, how do you guys get the business? That, that, that to me, and I think to a lot of the people listening, that's some sort of a mystery. It, it is a bit of a mystery. How does that happen? Do you have actually salespeople that, that go around and say, you should, should work with DLA Piper uh, because of this? Are there people like cold calling people? Uh, how does it exactly work? As to how you actually kind of, uh, you know, make a deal happen or make, uh, you know, uh, make a client come to you that at the end of the day, uh, is 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 a complex one, but certainly we, as I, as I mentioned, I mean law firms like mine would have kind of in-house marketing teams, oh, they would um, which are you know obviously produce very good work. I mean, these are very kind of competent marketing people. As you, what does that work look like? Is this mostly uh, is it uh, is that an active strategy of going get going to get clients, or is it more like are there people who make uh, nice publications, white papers, things like that, or? Mm-hmm. Give us a feel for that. It's it's a bit of a mixture of both. Okay. I mean, what I would say is, uh, it's obviously driven by the lawyers. Yeah. Because the lawyers are basically the the driving force behind taking marketing decisions. Mm. Because obviously, it's a law firm. It's run by lawyers. It, it, mm. it consists of lawyers essentially, um, and lawyers probably have a different view of the world as uh, than. Uh, people who are who are in other businesses or might have mm. um, so I think but I mean to answer your question concretely I mean the the actual output of the marketing department uh, can vary so this could be for example a set of PowerPoint slides for for a client pitch or client mm. client presentation um, we are act- also very active on um, things like LinkedIn and Twitter yeah. okay um, it could be uh, a an event, for example, mm-hmm. which we organize. So it's there's a very kind of broad spectrum of uh, of things mm. which are possible. So it looks pretty much like finance marketing, right? I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. but it is nevertheless the traditional type of marketing. Mm-hmm. Well, so finance is traditional as well, I believe. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 But exactly. They always try to so kick me out of that industry. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Uh, the interesting part, I think, is yeah. to is to. I'm always on the lookout for for new ways of uh, kind of bringing, you know, making the point, bringing right. it across. Um, and um, I think that's that, that's why I'm interested in your materials right. and some of the stuff. Uh, I think that you produce is uh, is generally applicable. So it's yeah. like the the insights into kind of how do people actually work, what yeah. makes them tick. W- w- what is an interesting approach what's beneath the skin <laughs> right yeah. right um, and then some of the stuff you do is also related to kind of um, electronic processes for yeah. example or automated processes for for marketing um, you know which I which I considered as well and um, I think one of the one of the characteristics of the legal industry is certainly kind of of my industry, mm-hmm. uh, or my part of the industry, um, 
because obviously I deal with corporate type uh, law and, and corporate clients. Um, that's very different in terms of also the number of clients and mm. client relationships that you have mm. to a high street lawyer, for example, mm-hmm. who will have thousands of small files and some clients who you might not see for years. Right. Whereas with us, it's more the focus is more on a uh, kind of overseeable number of. Uh, you almost get a desk in there, right? Just to, you're just there in the, all the time. You're part of their strategy. Exactly, yeah. you can have, or yeah, yeah. it ranges from that to yeah. um, to having you know a handful or a dozen or however many kind of client relationships. Yeah. you also have because you're an essential part of their strategy usually, right? Yeah, you're. It's either a survival thing or it's an it's a market entry kind of strategy, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. That's right. We consider ourselves to be obviously the, the the goal is to be a trusted business advisor as well. To the, yeah. Okay. To the company, okay. so that they come to you and uh, and you can really be, be a driving part of of what oh. they're trying to achieve. Um, so so your your marketing kind of also then looks like the kind of um, way that Deloitte or Accenture would hold themselves out to be. I mean, you're you're basically positioning know-how and expertise. Uh, and, and obviously you're, you're aiming to uh, to be that strategic partner for a firm, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, one of the issues maybe to kind of throw into the mix before we kind of embark on where yeah, yeah, sure. our worlds might meet. Okay. Is we don't know where this is going. We'll, we'll see. Exactly. <laughs> is, uh, and which just, I think, helps to show you a little bit the mindset um, in the legal world. Is a, is a very interesting discussion which I had with um, a gentleman who produces, who, who has his own company kind of producing content, video content yeah. for, for corporates. Um, and he told me, and he works with, with big law firms as well, and he told me that one of the issues he has with lawyers is that you, know, you have your kickoff meeting, everyone agrees on mm-hmm. a certain strategy for your video clip, mm-hmm. say you know, you're producing a video a couple of minutes, um, and then as you progress with, as you go down the line with actually kind of uh, the production, the lawyers will have an increasingly long list of things which they would like to have included in the video because obviously in, in, in legal submissions or memos or whatever output you, you have in the, in the legal world, you often, well, you would generally have a very exhaustive approach and you know arguments and sub arguments to that and so forth and I think one of the problems is to kind of detach from that uh, and say well look I mean we really want to deliver a message maybe kind of going into straying into kind of your world a message with some kind of emotional content which appeals to kind of your heart and mind kind of thing yeah and that's very difficult to do if you say, okay, I have two minutes to convey 50 points. Right. Okay, okay I see. I see. Okay. So, yeah. And, and that's because I guess we're all, you know, I, I see this in finance. I see it in insurance. I, frankly, I see it in most B2B industries. We've been trained to really be grateful for getting the opportunity to meet with somebody. And therefore, chuck on the table everything we know in that first meeting. We've all been trained like that, right. and that, that's just the problem, right? Right. And, and that's why you, you see these 50-page PowerPoint slides, um, which is, we, we, and, 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 and you know, there's still an enormous amount of people who basically uh, script their meetings page by page and actually 
So, it's, yeah, this is interesting because, uh, and it's and it's and it's kind of a it's 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 my and my my, my colleagues' ongoing challenge uh, to make them think uh, less than. Uh, you're not going to produce uh, Gone with the Wind, which is three hours long, but you're going to produce Breaking Bad. Right. You know, you're actually basically going to earn the earn the opportunity to keep coming back with more information. Mm-hmm. See, that's that, I think that's the big opportunity to be. Uh, there's a lot of resistance against that, obviously. There's a lot of people who, um, because it just still really can't envision that. Uh, because all they've been showing in their local theater is that Gone with the Wind type format, right? Or those, you know, endless Charlton Heston type films. Uh, but uh, the opportunity is amazing because uh, it's, it's a way like, it's really a way where you become uh, a strategic partner with someone, uh, an individual or a set of individuals in an organization without really being one. Let me explain that. So you effectively... If you create kind of content that layers on top of each other over time, uh, and because it's digital content, it's massively scalable. You don't really notice the difference between it being watched 20 times or 20,000 times. The thing is, you can already become that strategic partner uh, and then basically uh, earn the opportunity uh, to not only become the virtual strategic partner, becoming the real strategic partner, because somehow, you're already establishing that kind of relationship that is going to make it absolutely, uh, there's going to be absolutely no barrier for them to sign you up when they really need to get to work on this. Yeah. I does mean, that make any sense? It, it, it certainly does. And I suppose it's um, in a way, especially if it's, if it's a, a new client relationship or if it is actually uh, just a pitch to someone who you would like to uh, yeah. be a client in future. Um, you know, as it probably makes little sense to throw the kind of entire law book at them, right? Because you don't even know what their problem is, or maybe they don't even have a problem. But mm-hmm. certainly, if they come to you, it won't be with, you know, help us with everything, but it will be with, okay, this is what we're doing right now. Can you please help us in relation to this project and this angle? Yeah. This is what, or all angles, if they involve different departments of mm-hmm. the firm. Uh, but certainly, you do want to have this as kind of targeted uh, and personal an approach as possible. Mm. Now, I'm not sure. So in, in principle, I, I fully agree with that. Mm. Um, I'm just not sure how to kind of get the digital component into right. that. Because a lot of what I do is really based on, on personal relationships and personal yes. contact. Okay. And um, a lot will be meetings... Mm maybe phone calls, but certainly you would really kind of keep in touch with people. Um, possibly you would provide them with, um, I don't know if there's something in the press, which, uh, which, yeah. is, which you think is of interest to them. You can also kind of send that across. But I wonder, because of the complexities of mm-hmm. that and every kind of client relationship I have has a different dynamic. Yeah. Often these will be companies from different countries. Okay. And although, as, as, as you said, we are kind of in Brussels. Brussels is one of the hubs for, for competition law in Europe, which by definition means that a lot of the companies which have uh, an issue, uh, a, a, a legal uh, point, problem mm. to be dealt with in Brussels, 
will be from uh, from any different countries within Europe mm. and, and and beyond the borders of the EU. Um, so also there you have a, you have a different approach. So I wonder whether uh, kind of there is an automated one size fits all, or whether you would actually be bogged down then creating so many variants of the of the message you're trying to deliver. Um, that it would no longer work. Also, bear in mind that you know my clients will be from uh, a whole range of industries. I mean, I do right. a lot of energy work. I do a lot of transport work. Right. So a lot of my clients are from those uh, industries, um, but they might also be from completely different industries. I mean, I did yeah. a lot of work in the music business, for example. Mm. Um, and those guys really to just going to the offices if you go to the office of an energy company and you go to the office of a music company you you'd see just by the office and the atmosphere the attire of people uh, that they tick very differently yeah, yeah they can both obviously be highly successful and, uh, and 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 skilled businesses but the mentality the way to get to your goal is a very different one i see what you mean yeah and i guess I mean, the, the, the first thing I always think is if you, if you really want to get into digital content, you've got to get absolute clarity about uh, what kind of problems you want to solve and, and who you want to solve them for. Uh, and so, yeah, if, if you sort of have different verticals, can I say verticals in business development? I don't know. If you have, or segments, yeah, yeah. segments, client segments mm -hmm. that you're typically working with. Uh, yeah, I, th I think you're going to have a multi-tiered approach, but the, the, the thing is, what you want to earn is uh, again it's it's like i like the i always keep using this guy but you sort of want to become the crocodile dundee for your client and the reason is because the client's usually going to be stepping into an unknown territory and uh there's, there's something about uh, if you're going into the wilderness you better know you better go with somebody who really knows that wilderness there's another important factor i think that you always have to consider is like uh, it's not always about really like uh, always you know trying to find out a way uh, to uh, always convince them about a specific problem. It's always about building trust. But it's not with, the, with that one individual, ever, always. That one individual has other stakeholders around him that need to be uh, uh, convinced and won over. And so when people are, what happens in, in large corporations which you work with, the people within these large corporations, they're going to need to get to a comfort level where they can stick their neck out for you. Literally, because then, you know, at a certain moment, they're going to say, you know, uh, I, th I think this is a DLA Piper thing that they can solve, you know. And, and for them to actually do that, they have to earn an, a level of confidence. And so it often doesn't always have to do with the specific problem, but it often has to do with making them feel assured that you know your way around the wilderness. And so I guess it from the top of my head for, uh, for a law firm, which is involved in many different types of industries and, and, and different uh, kinds of problems, uh, the best way sometimes to do that is to tell stories about the kind of things you've been involved in and what happened. And it brings us to the next big part is about like where businesses absolutely need to learn how to tell stories because oh, this is now a cliche, everybody talks about this, but you know, we humans are built to uh, absorb stories many times faster than a white paper uh, which is an academic abstract 
We're not made for academic abstract. Mm-hmm. Someone smart enough called them academic abstracts for a good reason, because it's an abstract way for us to consume information. It's not a natural way. But the story is, is a very um, powerful way or a very efficient way to, to get into someone's mind, uh, because there was a time, and which is not so long ago, uh, it's actually a great-grandparents era where most people didn't know how to read or write. So guess how they transferred information? Well, very simply, they told stories to each other. And the better the story, uh, the more memorable the story, or even uh, there's even story structures that worked quite well over um, you know, the time of civilization to pass information through. There's actually a methodology about how you construct those stories. So, and the better the story is, I suppose, given that this is, you're talking about kind of word of mouth transmission, mm. uh, the better it is also kind of prevented uh, or safeguarded against corruption, right? Yeah. Because if you transmit in that way, obviously if the story is weak or has weak parts, those might be glossed over or changed mm. from, from one storyteller to the next. Exactly. It's the transferability of it. It's got to be. And there's certain, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a chap called, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, this can't be happening. Uh, oh, it's going to come back to me. Maybe, maybe let me help you while you think about that. <laughs> Thank <I'll>, you. <laughs> to get you off the hook. Then. Let me get the bottle of wine again. Maybe it'll come back then. Go, go, keep going. You, you have, um, obviously, uh, a, a, a connection between what I just said about a story being uh, robust and easy to transmit, I think is a, is a strong connection to your point about the stakeholders. Because your uh, material or your kind of electronic um, or message or whatever it is you, you, you are conveying yeah. um, will I suppose normally only be targeted at your direct contact and not also his stakeholders. Mm -hmm. So the way the stakeholders get the information will either be okay, your materials are forwarded. That's the that's that's probably stakeholders might be busy. Yeah. So it might also be a kind of uh, basically a, a story that that whoever receives your your input has to kind of weave that into a story or into a summary, mm. um, bottom line basically, mm. and convey that to his stakeholders, maybe in, 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 a, in an elevator pitch or if he knows them better and, and they have more time uh, in a longer conversation. But certainly I think the principle is he will extract the main points mm. and convey those on. Yeah, so the name came back and you're right that you have to create something which is almost addictive and some and easy to transfer so it's joseph campbell he spent his entire life right. figuring that out like what, what what kind of story formats travel through time okay and um it, it's I, I speak a lot about him on 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 my on my mailing list so if you mm-hmm. sign up for the mailing list you're, you're definitely going to see joseph campbell pop up every now and then especially when i dive deep into the storytelling part but uh, and it's and it's amazing because that, that's another thing that sort of business has been for some reason trained out of doing, um, and and it's and, and it's somehow we lost our ways with that because if the the, uh, the simplest way uh, for that B two B person, which is a B two B, is a big account that pays you millions of dollars every year, but it's made up of, of individuals and those individuals in their suits 
uh, or in their genes in the music business or whatever, you know, those people uh, still sort of, you, you need to really help them uh, not only convey your story, but also you, you need to help you know, earn their ongoing attention span. And so this, it, it flows flawlessly into them when it's in the format of a story. And so funny thing is, if you go back to, for example, London in the, um, let me see, in Shakespeare's time. Shakespeare's time is the 16th century, is that right? So, uh, oh, look at that. Somebody just drove by with one of those cycling bars in Brussels. It was, uh, great. <laughs> if you go back to London in the, in the 16th century, uh, uh, it sounded very different, London, because um, each merchant uh, had sang to get the attention of the consumer. And so apparently when you would be teleported back to London in the 16th century, it would feel very much like you're at a music festival, an opera festival, because all the merchants would have, would compete to have uh, people uh, on the payroll with the best voices. And they would basically sing their offer, like fresh lemons or whatever. And so the most beautiful voice would basically stand out from the others. And, and that's just another basic way for business to get attention. Yeah. So the easiest way for like any business today and in the world of full distraction and overwhelmment is to craft the kind of story that uh, makes you want more. And if you're singing it, it also needs to be a short story um, because otherwise uh, you need to spend 15 minutes before you walk on to hear the whole thing, right? Mm. You want to be hearing the full story within the five seconds that you're walking past that shop. And similarly interesting in the, in the visual uh, sphere, um, I, uh, on, on, a, on a trip to Italy a few years ago, I went to Ostia, which is the old, old yeah. Roman port. Um, and you can see similar things in, in, in Pompeii where basically the shops had um, either on the, on the pavement or in front of the shop um, or on the murals, I suppose, um, a painting which showed maybe with one or two words, but normally a drawing of whatever the, the product was, uh, plus one or two words, which basically told you what this was about. Mm -hmm. right? and um, you couldn't bring it more efficiently to the point than, than, these, um, than these images or these, these, these mosaics because the, they captured the, the entire nature of the business yeah. in one, one drawing and two or three words. Absolutely, and, and I think that that's just, that's just totally staring at us and it's actually quite easy to adopt because again, um, coming back to your legal practice, your business, uh, what you are marketing is your expertise. I mean, the fact that you are a reliable expert, right. uh, that having uh, your expertise by your side is a strategic asset, and that's why you have to build the confidence. But for example, uh, I wrote about this uh, on my list, uh, but uh, this was last year. I, 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 had a, I was speaking to a small insurance company uh, who was also sort of exploring this, and I said, like, you guys basically are so lucky because you're in insurance, which means that you see the most crazy stuff happening. I mean, really, I mean, you can talk about that, obviously anonymously, but you can tell the most amazing stories. You can tell, why would you do that? Well, because essentially your audience is going to start uh, 
uh, you know, paying a lot of attention because if the stories are about things that could totally happen to them, guess what? You, you, you are sort of not only earning their sort of trust and their attention, but you know, if they take an insurance policy, you're also educating them to stay out of trouble, which is better for you as an insurance company. Right. You, you know, it's just really, you're pre, you just keep, get to keep the premiums essentially. Mm-hmm. So it makes business sense. That didn't quite compute very well, but maybe it was early days. I was on a podcast recently with Natalie Nahai, and we spoke about this as well. In the U.S., this is, I forget the name, but there's this insurance company that turned um, the type of, the typical type of uh, claims that they would have, they would make a, a sort of a human avatar that would pers- personify these, these threats, just to make it very clear to people that all these dangers and threats exist in our daily lives, and therefore they should be protected against them. See, uh, in, in finance, uh, it's the same thing. Someone, uh, this is a few years ago. Remember very clearly. Someone said, "Like this is all really fascinating and very interesting." But you know what? I'm, I'm a, I'm a European equity fund manager. I, I just, you know, have to beat the index. And I say, "Well, you know what? You invest in companies on the stock market, right?" Yep. Uh, so like, which means that the only thing people need to know about you is that you understand companies, right? to talk about companies, failures, successes, but there's so many stories. If you have the, I mean, for starters, if you're trying to beat the year of stocks 50, every year you have 50 stories to tell. Just dig, dig a bit deeper and tell those stories, right? And I, and I guess that that is the kind of thing that still is not computing with a lot of these, uh, um, I don't want to say the, this word, I'm going to f- try to find another one, but I was going to say like, a little bit more archaic type industries. Yes. Absolutely, I think uh, I think that's right, and there's a lot of kind of food for thought, there and there's a lot of a uh, lot of room for progress. And I think that kind of brings us back a little bit to the starting point on the on the content side, uh, because one of the topics I think we've we've kind of carried through this is the uh, the fact that you need a good story, and that story can't be too cluttered. Mm. Uh, so you have to leave your it needs to be consumable. <laughs> right, you need to leave your lawyer's mentality of trying to kind of shove everything in uh, uh, kind of by one side uh, maybe one other topic though um, in terms of the presentation which uh, which I think yeah. might be quite interested is the obsess- obsession to be for it to be flashy to, to yeah. be kind of catch the eye um, which I think you know all, all law firms try to do in uh, in, in various ways. You know, just, it could be branding, it could be a color, it could be something in the marketing materials which you think will make you stand out in the marketing materials or in your performance or your 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 basically your your, your non content related message which you're trying to. Get. I'm so glad you bring this one up actually because this is a this is another like this is a this is a very uh, important part of the the storytelling structure is like, yeah. Okay, so think about, think about, uh, try to now, and also to the listeners, think about a few movies that you really liked. Okay, well, what do you typically see in a movie like that? So, uh, the mighty and rich are usually the bad guys. The underdog is usually the main character who you're, you're rooting for, right? There's a reason for that. And again, this goes back to Joseph Campbell's work. He says, like, because he figured out that the, the kind of uh, allegiance people make with a character is usually that underdog. Uh, think about Jesus Christ was an underdog. That, that, you know, think about uh, 
uh, so many other ancient stories that we know. They're always built around underdogs, people who are suffering, people who, they're very relatable to the audience. But think about the successful people in, the, in, those, in those stories or those tales or those books or those movies uh, that have all the gadgets and all the wealth and, and all those um, Armani women around them and all those kind of things. Or if it's a woman, they have all those, uh, whatever. The point is, these guys or girls usually are the bad guys in the film. The problem with business sometimes is they're trying to position themselves as being infallible extremely um, polished and somehow in, in, the, in the audience's brain the connotation is negative because the audience really wants to root for the people that they can side with and feel an allegiance with which is usually the underdog mm -hmm. see that is another big thing because I always like to tell businesses like you know you really shouldn't try to put the best self of you forward because it's actually, you're actually going to earn a lot more trust and confidence from people if you are brave enough uh, to show that side of you, which is a little bit more vulnerable. It conveys a lot of confidence and trust. Yes. Okay. In a way that is maybe not a, indeed not a direct kind of content, uh, content issue, um, but maybe content related because it relates to the message you're trying to convey. Yeah. But I was also wondering more on the maybe the visual side. The visual you side, call it that, yeah. Because your your emails, for example, and your kind of uh, newsletter circulation, you know, it's it's very interesting information. But you rely wholly on the text, right? There's yes. no, there aren't any crazy graphics. There's no pop up, uh, no little video clip there will uh, no they're actually you're on a list which runs for about a year so you're going to get into the video soon okay because i take but, my own but, medicine i mean i pre-programmed yeah, the communication strategy a year in advance so every week you get an installment yes but what i mean is, what i mean is, course, you will get the videos yeah, yeah of course I mean, that's you, the you whole will. point right? <laughs> bit, bit you just bit. build up to it <laughs> well, i'll be looking forward to that um but Forget about that for a second. Sure, sure. And let's think about what, what, what is your rationale behind, say, last week's newsletter, uh, which is a story, I think, with a link. Yeah. Um, but the actual email itself didn't have anything flashy. Is that because you think um, people are overdoing it with trying to kind of put in some kind of snazzy graphics or pictures to decorate, basically, their content? Um, do you think if the if the message is strong enough, then just the the black on white will speak for itself? It's it's that's a really good question, which I I really don't know how to answer because it's an ongoing experiment. I think um, it's I think you have to try to use various mediums. The some the sometimes when I think like uh, an attention span. Um, before I get into that, maybe some clarity about attention span. Attention span is not something absolute. It's not like you hear a lot of people say like, no, a two minute video is too long. It has to be one and a half minutes or the five minute video is not enough. No, I know I watch television series like on binge mode. I can watch three or four hours in a row. Of Why? Because uh, they, they get my renewed attention every 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the same thing is true for communications. Uh, so it's really about how often can you renew your audience's attention? How often can you 
Uh, how, how, it's like what Blake Edwards used to say. Uh, you know, it's all about the characters and moving the story forward. Are you talking within the same message or within the installments? Which but whether the, the thing is now, here's the thing. So um, it depends on what you need to convey. Sometimes when when I need to convey something a little bit more dense, something a little bit more um, uh, deep and insightful, and 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 something where I I probably get a little bit want to get deeper under under the skin i usually use the written form and that's and and, and you try to do your best to compose it so every 10 seconds i'm i'm i'm, I'm re-earning your attention right but if it's if it's if it's a single point that you need to make if it's something that is um something that is a one-off topic uh, or something that you really need people to sort of like um you, you really need to get like smack them with it sometimes the audio visual method is better the visual method uh, it depends on what you want to convey and um the thing is the problem is if people are trained to only get videos from you those videos are just going to blur into oh here's another video mm -hmm. uh, i think what what the human is is always very interested by is variety and so therefore the, the written word alternating with, with audiovisual is okay. probably a good combination. Which is why in documents you would have often find you know, graphs or, I guess so, or yeah. kind of pictures inserted. Yeah. Right? Okay. I mean, the, the, the truth is if you can do it with an image, do it with an image. Yes. Um, because the image gets, I, I find this all over the place when I do this research, but apparently an image gets processed 60,000 times faster than the spoken or written word. Okay. Which, is, which is kind of incredible, but it's, it, I guess it's a revolutionary uh, uh, inheritance. But, so if you can do it with an image, do it with an image. Uh, like, if you uh, can keep it simple. Yeah. If you can keep it simple, because you know those infographics that you say, like, this is too much work, right. I just don't want to look at this too long. Right. Yeah. That's really where you go off the rails again. This is where you're using the visual for the wrong purpose. Mm -hmm. All right? uh, when it's a visual, uh, and when you, uh, I guess another thing is, when you really need to make a few points to sort of like get a, a, a thought through, um, the written form is better, but when you need somebody to feel something and draw their own conclusion, sometimes an image is better or a, or a video because you fill in the blanks. Okay. You know, the boring films are the ones that show you everything. The really good films are the ones that sort of like let you and your brain connect the dots. So one would have to kind of come up with a with a clever strategy as to how to use all of these. You do those, have to. Yeah. I mean, not not necessarily all of those in one go together, oh. but as to how to deploy these various resources: the written word, the audio, the visual. Yeah. Uh, you need to think very carefully about that as well, and I think that is again a dimension which certainly isn't. Which, which I certainly have not been given enough kind of like you know scientific attention to if you wish huh? I yeah. mean you normally have your your classical PowerPoint presentation or other marketing materials yeah. you throw in a couple of images here or there but to really tie everything together I suppose and to say okay well what do I want to convey in writing what do I want to, where would I want to use an image mm. uh, or kind of other media is probably something which, uh, yeah, which one would need to consider, right? Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, you have to strike that kind of balance. I mean, you have to sort of like, it's almost like, uh, 
it's a it's a horrible example, but it's the first one that comes to mind. It's like it's it's when you're going to a, a ballot campaign, you sort of have to figure out when you're going to send in the air force or the infantry or the cavalry, and it's it all has its purpose. And I guess in in any sort of marketing communication strategy, uh, you you have to think similarly. It, it, there there are many tools in the box, and you should be able to use it. What we're doing right now, I mean, we would if we would want to get whatever this turns out to be after or 40, 50, maybe one hour, whatever this turns out to be, it's, it looks like if we would have to sit down and write, and write about this, we'd be writing half a book. But, but we're doing this in audio, and audio is probably, in my opinion, the most efficient way to get information across because uh, you actually may be listening to this while you're stuck in traffic or you're riding on the, on the metro or you're washing your dishes or you're filling in a boring spreadsheet. You see, this is, uh, the audio is probably one of the most powerful uh, mediums to use. And the interesting thing also is like, very few businesses are using it to transfer knowledge. Did you look into the fact that, because I, kind of remembering from university times that um, certain people have certain ways of learning, right? So right. there are people who kind of learn by reading Yes, that's um, true. And maybe, I can't even generalize, it's not necessary that all lawyers learn by reading and others uh, by, uh, by hearing. But I was always impressed by one particular guy uh, who was in my, uh, kind of in my course at university, uh, or in my year at university, I should say. Um, so we did lots of courses together. And he would get the most out of the lectures mm. so he'd really remember what was said there and you know he'd take notes and but his notes were his you know if you wish his cornerstone diet for his exam preparation right whereas for me it was more the textbooks for example yes and i think um well, some well, people would I'm go to class, sure. pay attention in right. class, and, exactly. and come yeah. through with flying colors yeah. as well. Yeah, right, exactly. There's so people. that that was him. So he didn't do right. much right. much else than kind of listen to listen to the class. No. Whereas for me, that didn't do too much. Um, right. And for other people, it didn't do anything. I think I'm kind of probably more of a hybrid. I kind of take a lot out of conversations and 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 learning by hearing, but also kind of by reading. Yeah. But I suppose that is also something which. Uh, which one at some level we need to take into account that depending on who your audience is, some people might be more stimulated by having the message as a video or just as an audio file mm. um, or audio message um, or in writing, right? That's, that's also, that's actually a good point as well. I mean, uh, you, you can basically make different versions of, your, of, your, of, of the message. Uh, now, if, if you have the time and the, uh, and the ability to do that, that's quite ideal. For example, when I, when I produce my courses, there's usually an audio version, a video version, and a, and a handout. Right, uh, be, yeah. Because you're right, there are different ways of learning. Mm. Absolutely true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting but point. But how do you use that for marketing, I suppose? That's the, that's the difficult point. Yeah, the problem with, yeah, if you say like, okay guys, here's this thing, you can watch it, listen to it, or read it. It's kind of overwhelming. People would do none of it probably, uh, you, right? Yeah, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, you go to a department store, why do you go there three times before you buy something when you go shopping with, with you know, with your other yeah. athletes? Because they say, 
Hold on a second. I need to think about this. And Although having said that, mm. some of the some of the news sites mm. that if you use an app to kind of follow follow yeah. the the news, some of the, the news providers do exactly that. So they will have a yeah. thirty second to so two minute, couple of minutes uh, video clip. Yeah. Underneath that, they'll have a text which says basically exactly the same thing that's in the video. Yeah. And but you can just choose basically. Right? But I think the one thing that you always have to anchor your whole strategy around is what do you exactly want to achieve? Okay, so uh, if uh, this is the, the most, I mean, that's a lot, of, a lot of what I see less, but it used to be kind of crazy as I, I, I had a, a prospect like that who said like, no, no, I only want to learn how to use Twitter. I said, that doesn't make any sense because Twitter is just an extent. No, 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 I, I just only want to use Twitter. I want you to teach me about Twitter. Uh, I, I, had a, I had a sort of like, because I just don't understand Twitter, frankly. I just, I never understood it and I, I don't think I ever will understand Twitter. I, I just don't get it. But the, the point is like, it's never isolated like that. You have to think about what is, what is the purpose? What are you trying to achieve? And for example, in your case, what you want to achieve is to uh, earn the trust of somebody so they can understand that you're probably the right strategic partner for them and, and stay top of mind and supply them with, with an ongoing amount of knowledge that is useful to their business. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I can push their case through, basically, yeah. Huh? Yeah. so that they've got the, the skills to, to convince the regulator or the courts yeah. that their, their way of seeing the world is, uh, is the correct yeah, way. Yeah. Because you have a high-touch offering. High-touch means that people really have to think about it because when they engage, when they retain you, uh, uh, it, you know, you're going to become an essential part of their, of their, of their strategy. Mm -hmm. So it's a high-touch. It's usually very costly and it's, you know, basically to, to get up to the point where you can seamlessly start working together, you have to invest time, not only money time. So that's a high-touch. If you're in the low-touch business, which is like you have to convince somebody that uh, basically your travel agency is better than another travel agency, that, that becomes another, another strategy, right? Yes. <laughs> and maybe also, I don't know how it works on the financial side, but it, it presumably also has a bearing as to whether your product is kind of highly specific and tailored like mine, because every situation that a client comes to me with is different. Um, and something which is more commoditized. I suppose if, for example, in the financial industry, there is a specific um, project for which investment is sought, then everyone is investing in this, in, in this same project. So you can, you can approach all investors basically on the same basis, right? I wish it was that simple, but, it's, uh, but investments is pretty much, I mean, this is where what you do, and the investment world are completely at the same level. I mean, handing money over to someone is a big deal. It's about, you know, because again, this is a little bit, this is a high touch. Uh, I mean, I only noticed from the kind of uh, info memorandum type yeah. uh, process, which everyone gets. Yeah. So you're investing in a, uh, in a company or it's an IPO context or whatever. Yeah you will get the same document everyone else gets. Yeah. And on the basis of that, you decide whether you want to invest or not. Yeah. Right. So you have that same set of information. Yeah. Whereas, and that's what you're sending out to potential investors. Whereas the, the message I need to get out will be very, very highly tailored. 
Yeah, but again, it's so your business is B two B, right? Strategic partnerships. So that is very different from the law firm that somebody stumbles in with a re, with a problem, mm-hmm. uh, and basically you're in the used to be in the yellow pages, and that's yeah. the lawyer you call, or you call that lawyer because somebody else you know, or it's a family lawyer, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different strategy, because you know, the uh, the sort of like more. I don't like B two B B two C. I think it's all B two B two human anyway. B two H. But the the point is that the strategy for someone who has a little bit more low touch business is is entirely different because that's just basically staying top of mind, and it's it's usually uh, uh, a lot a lot ha- of it has to do with uh, the scalability to keep your services uh, of of good standard but affordable. There's, there's something about that. Whereas you're at the upper end of the of the, I don't know, sophistication spectrum. No, you're a higher complexity. You, you're the complexity. You're a higher touch proposition. So the strategy is entirely different there again. And I think in, in finance it's pretty much the same thing because if, if you're trying if if you're aiming for institutional accounts, it comes down to exactly the same thing. Is um, it's it's a, an individual that promotes you internally which needs to feel comfortable with the accountability that implies in the strategy of the firm. Whereas in finance, the individual, maybe a pension fund manager, sort of has an accountability to all the pension savers and stakeholders. So there's, there's a lot more, there's an accountability element. Whereas, for example, let's say that the high street lawyer or the, or the, the, the more retail finance proposition is about being around when people make a decision to do something with their money, right? And, and, and it's very similar as well because, I mean, uh, the, the high street lawyer is going to get to see people in their worst moment. They're going to get to see them in their most distressed self. Uh, and it's very similar, in fact, with high street finance because for some reason, um, people buy and sell investments at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very emotional thing. So it's very similar, I guess, in that way. And, and, and then it's really about, I guess it's about execution. And, you know, uh, I don't know much about law, but uh, I guess another similarity it may have is like, so I used to cringe when people used to come in to invest in things at the wrong time. And we all try to sort of talk them out of it because we know the medium term consequences that they're going to come and basically want to burn down your office. Right. And I think the same thing is true for the high street lawyer where, there is a chance that they just may not be able to help them because there's so many moving pieces mm-hmm. because their client is maybe not telling them everything. There are a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's almost, it's really tossing your coin because yeah. you just go on the basis that you know you have a full file, but does everybody ever tell you the whole truth? <laughs> and on the marketing <laughs> side, absolutely. But on the marketing side, it's also, as you say, a completely different concept because it it's almost word of mouth. It's like your your dentist or your your local doctor. I mean, how do you find those? Yeah, yeah. Other yeah, people, yeah. someone tells you about them, or but but certainly, you wouldn't have your dentist send a PowerPoint to anyone. No. Or no. Advertise in a newspaper or something like that. No. So that. But he he will probably show up at the sort of like let's say you have a town fair about something and. 
some sort of an event and the dentist is going to be there because you know they're going to be some patients running around it's good to have another touch with them right and yeah. it's the same thing as like for example a, a, a more like sort of folksy investment proposition is also going to be more visual in in popular gatherings whereas and so i mean we're like dividing the world into two camps so there's something in the middle as well obviously but the, the point is uh, your communication strategy will pretty much be defined by your, the goal that you need to achieve and, and uh, that identity of your of your of your client and uh, your customer. So it's it's all about the, the thing is it's all about um, for not, not, I always come back to the media business because I think the media business one of the most absurd things about our world is that uh, back after the Second World War or during the second before the Second World War there was this industry that figured out human behavior entirely what they wanted, what they would basically give up a few hours for, some money to go enjoy something on a screen. They just figured that one out. And somehow that never transferred to other businesses. They somehow knew how to test audiences to find out what the right products were and so on and so on and so on. So the thing is, I, what I find fascinating about a company like Netflix, for example, or HBO, is that uh, they essentially um, totally, the first thing they do is they totally understand uh, they have a way of figuring out what their customer wants and then they make it for them. Mm -hmm. So it all starts with like, who is that ideal customer? What is the world of your, what is, is it a world of accountability? Or is it a world of, of sort of contingency? Mm -hmm. Those are two different strategies. Yes. And you have to build everything around that and how, you, how do you just stay top of mind with them? That's always the goal. It's interesting. I mean, if we, if, if I were to kind of summarize our discussion that we just had, um, over the past hour or so. I, I've been going um, at it for an hour. <laughs> you see? Because there's this many, can, there's this many can happen. Yeah. But I, I suppose... If the, anybody's still listening. <laughs> and awake. <laughs> I suppose the, the, the striking thing for me is, at least my takeaway, is that I think the legal business isn't so very different from from any other business. It has its peculiarities, but this whole kind of marketing thing is so complex. There's so many methods for uh, trying to achieve your goal. There's so many considerations to be taken into account, mm. both, if you wish, kind of outbound, i.e. who are you and what are you trying to convey to the world? And if you wish inbound at the recipient end, who is your, who is your audience? So many different ways of uh, of approaching it um, that it is basically, as I suppose, uh, you know, the legal industry would be struggling with it just in the same way that uh, that everyone else would. But I think it's about acknowledging uh, a new set of tools. That's really what it's about, because right. in, in the end, you're trying to yeah. achieve an objective, uh, which has always been the same. That does that that uh, you know the whole. The world of business hasn't changed. It is inherently human. It's just we have interesting tools now. Just like the farmer suddenly figured out a more efficient way to plow the land, mm -hmm. uh, figured out a more efficient way to uh, plan his harvests and things like that. So, you know, it's an evolutionary curve. It's always, uh, it, there's always technology involved. The wheel, the steam engine, printing press. This is just another uh, iteration of that so the business is still inherently human it's still dealing with the same type of issues your industry 
maybe getting disrupted by technology, but the technology is only there to serve the purpose of providing a, a more efficient solution to what the end customer or client needs. So that, that's, that's the compass we always have to hold in our hand. And so there's a, we have to acknowledge a new uh, toolbox uh, that, that can be deployed. And you know, using new tools, there's always a bit of resistance around it. And, and sometimes what drives me crazy is when I see people uh, going into content because content is cool and, and you know, content just becomes a yuck factor somehow in the business that they're trying to achieve. <laughs> So, you know, you, have, you just have to look at this as, as a new set of tools. Like, for example, email was, um, there was a time when email was a very dangerous thing because I think it's like a written statement goes out to the world. Oh my God, that was crazy, remember? Yes, indeed. Yeah. You, you would accidentally send this to your competitor with an attachment of a, of a confidential document. Remember those days? We got over that, right? Entirely over that. Uh, Somehow that risk still exists, but we've just gotten over it. Uh, email used to be, um, it used to be absolutely strange to ask someone via email if they would like to schedule a call with you. But now putting in a call without an email first is totally unacceptable. Often. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you would email someone, it's now a good time to call. But, you know, we, we took that tool out of the toolbox and we learned how to use it. And I, I think the, the fact that we're going to be we're, we're increasingly connected with each other and we have a, a amazing bandwidth and, um, and it just keeps seems to keep growing. Uh, that's just a new set of tools that we just... Uh, okay, I mean, so again, coming back to kind of my business, I think what I learned today is it's hugely complex in terms of, you know, how to convey a message and getting it right, just in terms of the the approach and that's something which has always been the same as you say um, but maybe we're kind of getting more sophisticated at it um, and then the other dimension is well what are the tools you use oh. uh, and there I suppose the, the emphasis is on being kind of open and exploring how the new tools which become available um, might work I'll give you a very practical example that, for example, that should really get you going about this for your, for your business. Okay, so say so you have a client brief and you, you need to come up with, a, uh, this is me being very amateuristic, but say the client says, hey, this is my problem and what is your initial uh, impression on that? And so you give them an initial brief, for example. And that brief ideally would be presented at the board level so they would schedule a time it would be urgent because it may be a problem and ever, and, and some guy stuck in sardinia can't come and so so whatever so at, you appear there and then you basically provide the brief what if you could just put that brief on video and say here's the brief it's instant uh, the guy stuck in sardinia can also watch it and we're all there and it, it's recorded and you can if you didn't really get it you can watch it again and mm -hmm. again and again that for example is a very clear application of this new tool where you can uh, you can probably accelerate uh, your, uh, your 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 uh, dossier your file so you, you can accelerate the workflow for example 
And this yeah, could, and more would have that's to a, see that's, a, that's, that's a typical practical that's, example, right? That's, that's a very good example. Again, the problem is, again, with like the email 15 years ago, like, is somebody going to send that? <laughs> but obviously, the problem is you do Snapchat, yeah. it's auto destructs after like 15 minutes. <laughs> Something like that might help, yeah, because obviously, then you know, yeah, or like for example, you, you meet someone at a this is what I do all, the, all day long, so I meet somebody, uh. I tell them what I do, and they say, that's interesting. I say, okay, fine. Shall I stay in touch? Yeah, great. So I put them on my list. And they're going to get about eight months worth of a series of, of installments of insights. So I know for eight months I'm going to be in touch with them. And, I'm, and I've, I've actually thought out what the installments are. So there's a crescendo effect to it. It gets crazier and crazier, essentially. <laughs> but but the, the point is that, you know, that is, for me, a good fix because I'm in touch with thousands of people uh, on a very regular basis. And I, sometimes I come back and I say, like, hey, I need you to advise me. Because... So what happens after eight months? No, that's... that's I'm going to probably... It's going to wind up being three years. I mean, this is just an ongoing... I just build it as I go, right? I see. Okay, so the thing is, I, I sort of started building this out 12 months ago. So anybody comes onto the list right now, I mean, there is a there's a sequence. I'm, I'm not going to lie about it because this is what I'm always talking about. I mean, it's, it's about you know, automating a lot of your business development by installing a sequence. But the thing is, like the, these, these this is always about um, um, it's 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 the, the typical so. I'm always trying to add value to people who are trying to grow their business, who are trying to uh, you know, make a bigger impact with the communication, right? And so you know, these are sort of like, I guess it's that free learning curve that I'm supplying. Right. Any business can do this, and I, and, and I, cause I, have, a pro, I have a program that teaches people how to do that. So any individual can do this. Any business can install something like that. And it's just in the, in the, the reason why I did that is because I just, uh, I, I completely always uh, flaked on following up. Just it. Yeah, that is always uh, the tricky part. But isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. So the toolbox is there. It's about time to open it and, and, and play with the tools. And a lot of, another, another I mean, this is, this is not running out, but another uh, useful, because when, when something's new, we tend to think about it binary. It's uh, we do it or we don't do it. But it's not like you can take, like, let's say you have a, a hundred clients or so. Uh, take 15 or 20 that you actually have a quite a good relationship with and they, they'll cut you some slack. Take another 10 or 15 or 20 that you actually have no relationship and test stuff on them. You're not betting the whole farm, mm -hmm. but you're trying out new things. And because you're using technology, you can monitor how they interact with it. They'll give you feedback. Mm -hmm. The people that you have a relationship with will be extremely candid in their feedback. Or biased because they maybe like you because that's why there's such good relationships. So it's not always very valid. But the feedback from people who absolutely have no idea who you exactly are is also very valid because th th there's evidence in the fact that uh, if the entertainment industry uh, can get away with getting you to binge watch uh, stories without getting any benefit from it, I think business sh should watch that and learn from it to get ongoing attention. Uh, and obviously, uh, pretty much, I, I th obviously businesses don't have to go and change their identity or the natural relationship that they have with their clients. 
but it's it's probably often a far more efficient way to serve those clients and provide uh, provide insights. I think so, and that's because the uh, you know the movie industry, uh, I think knows, and is is very good at and is continuously developing at coming up with content which people will actually binge watch. You wouldn't binge watch just anything. No, I mean, you binge watch because the format of the story is right for binge watching because that's, I mean, really, I write about that. You'll, you'll get into that, that part where I go into depth about how that works, mm -hmm. right? I actually spent a lot of time on script writing and stuff and understanding how those dynamics work. There's something, there's this, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm not even a, a blue belt or a black belt yet, but I'm, I'm planning to go there. But, uh, but for business, it's always about the usefulness of your content. I mean, is it something like people say, stop everybody, I, need to, I really need to consume this because it's going to make me do my job better. Yes, it's a way of telling the story, as you say, so there's techniques in there. Uh, but but also, obviously, the content needs to appeal, which yeah. is why certain people watch certain series. And that's usually they watch them because uh, it's an escape from uh, yeah. most people live a quite stressed life. It, we're not living easy times. We're all struggling with distractions and we're all struggling with an overload of information. So they have this like story that you can sort of cling on to and, and sort yes, of but it also lower your brain waves. But <laughs> the story you cling on to is a story which matches your expectations in a series yeah. because there's such a large spectrum of yeah. series now, yeah. such yeah. such choice in so you can make a choice, yeah. that you really choose the one which you associate. Yeah. Is it a crime thing? Is it a more like a historical context series? Yeah. Is it you know White House stuff? Yeah. Um, you know, different people have different uh, different preferences, and I suppose that's a, that's a good uh, good way of um, you know marketing in a nutshell. The way of telling the story plus the right content for your audience. Yeah, you have to. The the golden rule about usefulness is simply uh, just help people do their job better. If you help people win at their job with the with the kind of knowledge you supply, it's golden. I mean, it's just. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there's like, there's, you have to think about which emails do you always open apart from those from your mother, your friends, whatever, you know, family members, all those kind of things, or those from your boss. There are a few emails that you will just basically religiously read. Mm -hmm. And that's because you have the feeling like you're just getting an installment of value. And that's what it's got to be about. So, I mean, and, and, and you don't want it to be anything else as a business, really, because the only thing you really want to spend your, uh, let's say, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever it is, is... To make sure that the time you're spending is productive, and also this, so you, that you're, when you're engaging with customers or clients, uh, the worst thing is that feeling that am I wasting my time with this person? That's like the most right. horrible yeah. feeling that you can mm -hmm. imagine. I, I, I mean, and there's technology that can help you avoid that. <laughs> there you go. All right, this was uh, this was great. This was interesting, fun. I'm I'm so I'm psyched by this because. Um, I basically created this uh, sort of enigma out of the legal industry where it's just business as usual in, in B2B world, isn't it? In its own way, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Sure. Pleasure to be here. All right. We'll do this again. Absolutely. On more topics.